Welcome back to Software Podcast. I'm Christian. This is the first time ever. We have a physical studio. If you're listening on Spotify, you're missing out. But boys, how's it feel? Zach, we're flowing you over especially for this I know, podcast. I know, flew in this morning. Um, ready, ready to go. I'm excited. It's kind of weird, like to be honest. You got the camera up there. Got a nice wee pods, room set up. Um, it's great, isn't it? Finally figured out how to use the microphones. Uh, this one's more of a trial, but uh, we'll definitely have a Christmas special on the YouTube channel. So make sure to check it out. And if you want to see our background, get onto the Instagram, the Software Week Podcast, and see our background. Uh, it's, it's brilliant. Pretty, we've got, it's pretty sick. We've got Cornac Amazon Institution, Zach. Yes, classic. What's the story about that top? Uh, second 15 this year, top, isn't it? Thump Doma in that top, and then got thumped by Methody in that top <laughs> in the seconds <laughs> kind of competition. I can't remember what it's called, Seconds Cup. And if you've got Retro Ireland, Retro Scotland, Harvey, you've got a top there as well. You got yeah, we've got a Heineken Cup final Ulster top, I believe. Can't quite see it from my angle, but yeah. I think that's, you know, in my many collections. I'm only messing around. Ellie's got two tops, but that one and the one I'm wearing. So we've got a few we're wearing as well, haven't we? Hi. And shout out to Seth the Rugby Club, my club. Uh, we've also got some books as well. Um, we've got uh, James Haskell's. What a flanker, and of course Joe Smith's autobiography. And a big um, and a photo big of Harvey's, Harvey's granddad playing for England. Yes, the most important one, which kind of really, if you see it on Instagram, I think that one really sets the sets the tone, sets the mood. But, uh, get the over, vibe. check our background, and please comment below what you think of our background because we can add some stuff to it. We can take stuff away. Not every podcast will be with the big studio because obviously Zach. Can't always be with us over here. Can't always. One day when we, once our sponsors quite come, yeah, come through. Yeah, if any sponsors are right there, if sponsors are there, then we can. I'm there, I'm EasyJet frequent flyer. We can obviously <laughs> get your season ticket on the EasyJet. But uh, boys, we're getting straight into the Ruggers. We'll start game by game at the weekend, Alt Nations Cup. It's our final uh-huh. Alt Nations Cup pod. And then we're going to send you away, are we, into the Six Nations? And I'll go back into my hibernation. I'll, I'll be going back <laughs> out next spring. Back to your accountancy and all the joys. But uh, we'll start with the first game, obviously. Um, Scotland-Japan was the first game on Saturday. Get out of the way, more than anything. Yeah, if you have to be honest, it was the worst game uh, in terms of spectacle, but maybe that's just because they're playing Japan, Scotland, so they can't. you can't really have a spectacle against Japan, yeah. to be fair to Scotland, but 29 points to 20. Hoggy got his try, which makes him now the leading try scorer in Scottish rugby history, which is some feat, and he's got plenty more in him. I'm sure he's only going to crack on get the 30 40 odd um but Duhan Hoggy scored just just a bit of a if you're yeah if you're a Scotland fan you're not you're not thinking much into it um the fact that you had to go for posts in the last few minutes of the game in order to seal a win against Japan um after beating Australia and you know I suppose coming up short against the, um, South Africa, it's not the ideal way to end the autumn and kind of what we said last week about building momentum again. But um, a win's a win. I think that's probably what every Scottish fan in the country would have been saying after Saturday, and that's the way. That's the way you got to take it. Um, if you're a Scottish fan, if you're not a Scottish fan, um, I'll happily play Scotland, Murrayfield, or Dublin. Um, come oh, Six Nations. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> That's a big claim. I think we've got Murray for this one. I think we have anyway. It was it, and Japan weren't great. It's not like uh, you know, it's not like one of those ones where you give credit to Japan and push them the whole way. Scotland were just poor. Yeah, yeah. It just didn't click. Like just didn't click. It could just be one of those games. It probably was one of those games. You forget. It's been a long year. Um, you know, coming even like coming out of COVID, this kind of first season, I guess properly. In a sense, like it's, you can use all the excuses, and I know that there's plenty of pundits over the weekend that use multiple excuses for their respective teams, which we'll get onto, I suppose. But I don't know. You can't. You can't. I don't know. I felt like as well, Scotland are that kind of team, aren't they? That just they're always been a rise to big occasions team, and no disrespect to Japan, they were amazing when the World Cup was on, but like they're just not that kind of team, are they? That you're gonna really like? You know, yeah. Scotland have got more gears, I think. I think yeah, it's true. It's a good know, point. I don't know why I'm giving them respect out of everyone, but. You yeah, know, ultimately yeah. they got the win. It's it is what it is. I don't think you can read too much into it if you're any kind of fan, really. And you know, we can't look at it as though, I Scotland left for the win when it comes to Six Nations because they will just pluck it out of anywhere. Yeah, you 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 love the phrase passion merchants, and Scotland are one of those in those category that when the big big days happen, whether that be at Twickenham, whether that be at Dublin, they usually do turn up. And um, we'll get on to it's true. kind of a bit of Six Nations 
chat suppose, the end. But yeah, I suppose my question is, is it, has it been a successful autumn for Scotland? It's been steady. Beat Australia, beat Japan. But, the, but, but, but as we've seen, Australia per. Yeah, but at the end of the day, no. Scotland to be ahead of Australia in terms of... So if you ask Scotland, you beat Australia and Japan. Like They could easily lost all three of those. It's true, and they nearly did lose all three of those. So, I don't uh, know. I don't know why I'm hating on Scotland no, today. It's a solid, I have no reason. It's a so, no, I'm just taking over Harvey. I don't know. Uh, just wrap, wrap it there. It was a, <laughs> it's a solid okay. bottom for Scotland, yes. but didn't light the world alight. But yeah. we all know what they can do. We, we, we know what they're capable of. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's it true. just sums up what Scotland are, which is exactly that. They're a very respectable side. They should never be put into that categories that go into like you know even close to like tier two nations because they're not that good. But they're in this awkward middle ground where they're not as good as like the top 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 you know, tier one nations at the moment. I don't think. Um, so you, I wouldn't. You know, you can't expect them to go beat the Springboks. I don't think you can anyway. Um, and that would have been that would have been mental if they did. But that was I like... never predicted they were going to. I thought they would win this game more convincingly than they did. So I thought the style suited them. But that was as you said. That was that's like the. Hello moment. Hello. Yeah. I'm here. Yeah. And the team that had that moment beat the Springboks. England. Painful to say, Zach, but... <laughs> New England is now the official term that everyone seems to be using at all the kind of media outlets like that I've been reading. Word, it's moment, it? New England, you know, it's kind of like... It's like I just get two, two, new players, two new players. Ago, yeah, it's it's New England. New England. England, yeah. I mean, where do you start? Well, in terms of New England, they've... Really got two new players, Mark Smith and Freddie Stewart, in key positions, don't get me wrong. Well, I think, I think to be honest, they are they are playing they are playing more on their feet. They're playing what they see in front of them, which I think is what Eddie Jones has probably always wanted and now seems to have the players to kind of utilise and execute his his philosophy. But there's a new England who's actually going to be starting when the World Cup comes around in 2023. Yeah, well, I there was an argument, um, I was listening, I think it was in TalkSport this week, Talking about how um, you need depth from World Cups, depth, you know, is is vitally important. Um, so maybe Eddie Jones this autumn was just bringing in new players. There's and the guy, who was it? Was the guy played Scott South African played for um, Saracens. Phil, uh, I can't remember. Anyway, Scott Bricks, Brits. That's who it is. Basically, he was saying that Marco and Billy aren't in, so that he can try out other players, so he can kind of build depth. What do you think of that argument? I don't know. For me, to go back to your original question of like who in that side right now, out of that side that played on the weekend, are going to be starting the World Cup? Like for me, Freddie Stewart is my fifteen now. Yeah, yeah. Like to, he's, he's he's taking over Mike Brown. You know, to put it to put it this way, and this is probably a weird way of looking at it. Going into the second half, he missed two. He missed two. Like they went, they did bomb score basically, and mm, he missed yeah. two of them and dropped them, and they built their attack off it, and that's when we were really under the caution. Everyone probably watching the game thought. Oh, this is it. South Africa just doing what South Africa do, but everyone for you know everyone forgets for the other sixty-five minutes of that entire game he was solid as a rock, like yeah. in, in, in yeah, he was yeah. stifling every single attack, and yeah, then he was yeah. also incredible in his own attacks as well. And I think that for me was the huge one because I, I don't obviously I'm probably exaggerating and it's probably like an anti-nostalgia thing here, but from what I remember with Elliot Daly at fifteen, it was almost like you know it was less than a fifty-fifty chance he was winning his aerial battle. And to me, when, yeah. when I saw those few phases that Scotland, that South Africa, sorry, were cycling through and building off those attacks when they did get a fumble from the air, I thought, like, we look so vulnerable now. What's happened? And then suddenly he starts grabbing them again. I'm like, he's literally the key. Like, that is the difference. Yeah. yeah. Um, sure, but, um, That's a bit harsh on Daly. Barnes and... and no, no Daly's an incredible player, but I do but, think... But Elliot Daly never... Mark, Mike, Mike Brown left a... Daly's a void. third team. Daly's always been. It's true, that's true. Exactly, but, but we're judging him as a 15 here, yeah. which is Yeah, yeah. Mike Brown left a vacuum which has never been filled. It's unfair to say, like it was unfair on Elliot Daly to ask him to fill it because he's, he's a 13 essentially and then, you know, maybe even winger second, fill back third. He's so f- back. He's Italian, but yeah, yeah, he's, he's another staying, isn't he? Um, slightly different, I suppose. But Freddie Stewart definitely now is Mr. 15. Yeah. Like there's no doubt about it. He's been, he has been phenomenal. Um, and even the pick and go kind of Duyan esque, <laughs> getting over for the try. Yeah, he's using his um, size. Yeah, he is. And I hear people that are huge. There's a man that is smaller in stature 
Mm, like yourself. I see massive men on the rugby field <laughs> that don't use it. Yeah. But he uses his size. He gets up in the air, uses his size, whether it just be getting an extra yard or two at the line. He knows he's big. He knows he's an abnormal yeah, yeah. 15. If anyone's out there, get on Wikipedia and find us another 15 that's taller than Freddie Stewart. Because the other thing as well, yeah, which I, I, I was thinking about a little bit when watching the game was, you know, everyone always thinks, oh, you need a 15 who's going who's to like stifle that line break, who's going to like, is really agile. And, but we're in a day and age right now where every winger, I don't care who you are, if a 15's coming over covering space, you're going to step them. Like, mm. it's, it's almost like an 85, 90% chance that you're going to get past the 15. Like, it, they always, always look bad. Because with the, with the level of wingers there are nowadays, even centres, even, you know, we've seen props do it. Like, you can step anyone when you're full tilt on a standalone man. So, you know, for people that probably say the argument against him, oh, he's too big, he's bulky, he's whatever. But, like, you know, that helps so much with your ball carrying. It helps so much with your aerial battle, battles, particularly because he is literally six foot five. Like it's just a, he's a freak, but it's amazing and I love it and I just want more of it and I'm I'm really excited for his career, genuinely really excited and I think he's going to be the key. To needed that, side. needed that this autumn. England needed. They needed, they needed a big, up. they needed a yeah, freshen up and then back it up with results. And that's always and they've done it. Yeah, and that's they've always been the position that we've always said whenever we've looked at England sides and they've had poor performances. The first thing we usually relate it to is the fifteen. And I'm sorry, Elliot Davis, yeah, good you again, lad, but. It was him. It was Ellie, if you want to come, come into the yeah. new studio and you can chat <laughs> about this. It was, it was Anthony Watson when we played against Ireland the Slam a few years ago. It was, you know, yeah. we've always just used them as a scapegoat. And I feel like now we have got that kind of Rob Carney-esque, like we've got our man. Watson, you forget all about him. Yeah, man. you do forget. It's yeah, yeah. so sad that you are forgotten so quickly. I think, well, he'll come back into it. No, he's, he's too good. He's, yeah. no, he, he, he's injuries, obviously. He is. Injuries has is, is just gotten the fact he's not playing. But... My question is over the centre partnership. Is it Slade to Ulangi? Smith Slade at 10? Slade was player of the autumn for me. Slade, 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 Slade was fantastic. Is anyone, is anyone no, no, no. Shirt and Slade toe and toe but Slade not only, he offers you so much options in so many different areas, um, yeah. especially when it comes to territorial battles yeah. and kicking. Slade has such a huge He's, boot. Which one was it? I can't even remember where it was, but I remember there was one moment he was, literally, he was really ironed it up and I thought, like, you know how sometimes you territorial kicks, you do just, you know, you've got a deep penalty, you will just like, right, touch is the main thing here. Yeah, yeah. But like, he was like properly tearing up, I think he was like assessing the wind at one point, I thought, he's going to go for this, it was a tight angle, and he literally slotted it between the 22 and the touchline. Yeah, he, he backs yeah, it up, he, he always backs yeah, it up. Yeah. He's there's a, there's up for a good clip on Twitter, we get of him, and, there, and it was captioned like, watch his eyes, and it was when he put Marchand through the hole, and if you watch his eyes, he's just staring literally directly in Dalende's eyes. And then just puts Marchant away. You don't notice those unless you like kind of watch it back in detail. That, but that was another thing that really intrigued me as well, particularly because obviously Tulang got injured very early on, and then they had a bit of a mix up in the backs. Mm. He slotted into that like Farrell at twelve role sort of thing, like a yeah. second playmaker. And yeah, yeah, yeah. He yeah. did it really, really well. You'd always see him as like that outside centre, but he played that role really well because obviously Marchant's a bit physically better than him, a slightly better ball carrier. But like, I I, I know this is probably skipping ahead a little bit, but. Genuinely, if I'm Owen Farrell, I'm I'm genuinely no, getting a little bit you, worried. Does Owen Farrell get back into this team? Not that he was ever out of the team. He got out, you know, obviously for different for injuries, um, for other reasons. But does Owen Farrell start the Six Nations? Well, again, we're skipping just basing no, basing off this. Again, we're skipping over a guy who I really don't know why. Why does Joe Marchant never get respect? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a good point. So when he played thirteen, he changed England's attack. Yeah. With his so, lines of running. And Tulangi, he's always going to be injury prone. You can't rely on him. If he's fit, you play him. But then again, you're not going to. I'd, I'd like Foster to see on. more of Slade and Marchant. I really would. Slade and Marchant then? But okay. then that's the issue. I think you, you can't play. I don't want you, this you, stick a centre no. on the wing rubbish. You I hate it. I hate it. You can't go, you can't go <laughs> Smith. Hate it. You can't go Smith, Farrell, Slade. In my opinion, you can't have all three of them. No, there's too, it's too much. There's no go forward so ball. I think you are, so yeah. then obviously, if you're going to play Marchant at 13, you kind of. Because as much as I say I'm worried about Farrell, he always seems to wangle his way into the team. So like you're almost sacrificing. He's a captain. He's yeah. a captain. So what does so what does Farrell bring to the team that he maybe that kind of like overlooks his his lack? Is it, is it just his leadership? Scenes, is it just his leadership? It's a bit Johnny Sexton esque. Apparently Johnny Sexton sets standards like no one else on that. So you really so so it is kind of like a leadership kind of example this reason. Is, this is, is that is that enough to start for England? Much, like, no, this no, no. is where like Carl Sinclair for me. 
Like, if you want a leader on the pitch, I know, yeah. he's, I know he's not back, but like, you want a leader on the pitch. I've got another good clip in there. I've got another clip in there. Coming out left, right, it's not the woodwork these days. I've got another clip for you, Harv. It's of, it was a run, and Sinclair shouts, Rafi, left pocket, Rafi, left pocket. Rafi Quirk moves around to the left pocket, then runs to, and then gets a hand on the charge down. Off on Sinclair's little comms. Um, yeah. I showed you one during the oh, week actually, about his line out when he yeah. was like, chill out, Lemire, chill out, just hit the man, hit him. He's, yeah, he's spot on. Carl Sinclair's positioning himself for a senior but, leadership. But what we're not talking about is South Africa, the yes. best team in the world. We haven't talked about them yet. I had a look back. South Africa have lost five games since yep. the return of rugby. Two against Australia, one against the Lions, one against the All Blacks and one against England. Can you really be the best in the world if you're losing? But they still are the best in the world for me when they have their starting 15. Because when you put Sheslin Colby in there and that game was crying out for Sheslin. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was. So we're, what we're, are we really... So we're saying the excuses Faf are justified. Faf de Klerk. Faf like Faf is... He, he, talk about game changers. Well, the know. try was from Fredisher yeah, yeah. identifying Reinach defence the blind side and they put Freddie Sure right over the top of him. Yeah. So that's Faffy Freddie Sure, he doesn't care what I are. Faff would dump him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Genuinely. So the so, excuse so of the excuses is fair are we also gonna use the excuse that's probably gonna come up in the next few games. Um end of a long time, long season for South Africa. I've got the United Rugby Championship now, so I know, I don't know how they're gonna bounce back, but like I mean those guys those guys were in Australia for ages for the rugby championship and then Coming over in the autumn, are we saying is it they, they South Africa kind of had that kind of tired old to be fair old major Southern Hemisphere teams just look tired. Well, it's the start of our season; it's the end of theirs. So they're at, they're they're shattered. But is that enough to kind of like be a reasonable excuse for why they lost? Like to be fair, at the same time they came close. Yeah, really close. You know, all it takes. And all their losses have been. Australia like, beat them convincingly. On another on another day, you know, lack of like less of the old discipline. South Africa win. South Africa beat England. We're having a very different conversation about how New England isn't working. <laughs> you know, like it's just so funny. There's the far the fine margins. It was weird though. Those last when it becomes clutch. I text Harv. I just said text him classic South Africa, and then blew it. I said. That number eight looks good too. <laughs> <laughs> I think he just got a turnover at the time. He got a turnover, which then yeah. inevitably resulted in the penalty, which Stan then knocked over. I don't think he got that exact one, but he was he got the ball back anyway. And then after Stan knocked over, I was like, "That's it, Glasses of Africa, kick off, close it out, job done." And they just just couldn't close it out. But do you think that's just because they're just absolutely shattered? You know, kind of like because England England led the game. You know, they were always ahead, no, but disagree. South Africa just kept in, kept in, kept in. And then when the push came to shove, they just had nothing left to give and it they fell short. The Yan- both Yankees coming on, it just like They've that. never been that great, though, I don't think. That, that no, touchline that conversion, that touchline conversion that would have put them back ahead. Yeah. F- for Yankees me. Yankees missed it. That's the thing Pollard bangs over. Yeah, for me, it kind of goes back to the conversation we had last week about the redefinition of the finisher. Kind of like so Ireland against the All Blacks in a really tight game situation where you need to close out the game. You bring on, you know, hundred caps and over a hundred ca- two hundred caps. Sorry, in nearly in Conor Murray, Keith Earls. Whereas you're bringing on guys who just don't have that same experience. Would you Would you say? Yeah, but at the same time, you bring on Van Steen to close out a game, and he's the one that gives away the penalty. That's a good point. I don't know what That's he's good doing. Point. Do you think it's a hangover from the Razzie effect? I think I think South Africa, the Razzie stuff actually boosted South Africa because they they have this they have this weird victim mentality. I don't know if you've been seeing much of the media responses to Razzie, um, South African media that is. Um, they're all being like, you know, we back Razzie. This is a kind of like, you know, he's going against the establishment and all this. I think they would have been more fired up, especially against England, to like do one over England in Twickenham. And the fact that they didn't, they're probably even hurting even more now as a result. Um, but I think, well, I think you know, you can't also underestimate, you know, like the Khaleesi yellow and stuff. So yeah, yeah, true, true, true. Like that was a massive swing. It wasn't a yellow. But yeah, okay. uh, it wasn't. It wasn't a yellow. And this thing, it's this, it's that goes down to the fine margins again. That's not a yellow. 
we could be talking about a very different result. Yules and how South well. Africa and are Yules, totally the best team. Yules took Yules off. Was not a it's a bit, he took his head off. Don't be silly. He didn't took his, take his head off. He, the guy crashed into his elbow. It's not like he went into his shoulder. He had fully wrapped arms and Edsworth was falling over and then that's how he fell into him. I reckon that would have been another, another Razi video, but... And no, I think as well, you got to... Yeah, Razi just wants any excuse to... Are they starting to burn out then? Or I, I think... I don't know if I'm reading too much into this, but I noticed as well, particularly towards the end of the game, and I'm going to hype him up because I love the man, Marcus Smith, when he got... Yeah, the I hope we not talked about him. No, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I hope we not talked about Marcus Smith. We've banned his name. I don't know if I just started noticing towards the end and maybe he was doing it the whole game, but he really slowed the play down. And what you notice is, and I don't know about you guys, but... When Farrell's in that 10 roll, that 12 roll, and he's picking up that ball off like first and second receiver, he's always, like he never just holds on to it or thinks or looks up. It's, it's like there's a process, something's going on, there's a play happening, and he just wants to get the play done. So like he, he'll do the back door straight away, or like his time, I think something that people have picked on already is Marcus Smith's timing is incredible. Like he can play with the defence with the way he plays it, and he doesn't hold on for it too long where, mm. you, know, the defense, you know, his attacker's got no space. He's, he's almost unpredictable. And I think what that did is it slowed down the South African, that kind of blitz line that they have. And I think the reason why they're always so dominant in the breakdown is because they've always got the momentum going into the tackle. Mm. You think two or three of them are firing onto you and you've got more coming onto you and punches are you're probably isolated, you're probably on the back foot. That's why they get so many turnovers. That's why they get so much dominant possession from the breakdown. Yeah, yeah. With him just holding that ball a little extra second and you noticed a few of them, particularly like the outside centres who were just holding off, second guessing what he was doing. They lost that momentum. So then even when we went into contact, we had the possession and we could keep the possession. And we never really, you know, something I always remember and kind of scarred me from the World Cup final was like, I genuinely wouldn't expect us to be retaining possession off rucks. Like it was mm. that dominant. It was that powerful. Because every yeah. time they were getting the ball, they were just, they were literally running over us. And then everyone would come in support. And, you know, if we did get the ball, it was come popping out loose. And then, you know, it was no control. And it felt like we just, it, we never felt like going into the breakdown that we were going to lose the ball against Africa on the weekend, which was weird. There was a little yeah, spell yeah, there after half time until like 60. Yeah. We, we gave away like 10 pens yeah, in like 10 minutes. The bomb squad came on and they were dismounting the scrum and you just felt like it was a shift. It was going to happen. Yeah. Bomb squad classic. And I, it's weird. Maybe it is fatigue, but, but, like, but I think inevitably game, it's fatigue. How much fatigue plays a part, I think it remains open. And don't take away from England, especially like you were saying, Marcus Smith. The fact that you can mix, like watching Marcus Smith, it was like watching the passion of like a young player coming on the scene mixed with this like wisdom and maturity yeah. of like knowing how to slow the game down. To not to mention he's like slotting everything. He's not yeah, yeah, and talking about kicking that's under pressure. And you, fair enough, some people may come back and say you had the nail that kick at the end. Like it was yeah. pretty, it was bread and butter. But it's a, it's a high pressure situation against the world champions, against probably the best team in the world. Um, and, and, he, and he still slots it. Like, um, yeah, like, I don't know, England. It's, it, it's kind of like, annoyingly, annoyingly just good. A lot of the time, especially, you go back to this time last year, you look at England and it's all about how, yeah, fair enough, they were winning, but they were just not playing well. And the performances were, were, were poor, whereas like that South Africa game on Saturday kind of uh, was the polar opposite. They won and they were playing well. Yeah. Like there's no, there's no denying it. You can't take away from England. Yes, South Africa were fatigued. Yes, ill-discipline cost them. But let's not take away from England. South Africa will be back though. They will. That, like, that, one, that one will hurt. And then and on the back of Razzie as well, as well. it all helped the likes of Reinag and Yankees and these boys who probably wouldn't have got a chance in big games. Yeah, yeah, true. That they've actually played now in pretty much all autumn. Um, someone like Quagga Smith stepping in at seven mm. when the toys out. He would have mm. dreamed of all the starters having a row here. So yeah. I do really think that it is annoyingly a blessing because now when those boys come off the bench uh, to close out World Cup games, they'll look good and. South Africa will continue to play this style, but the thing that South Africa is, they either squeak, like squeeze out a win, or they lose. There's no real hammering. It's been a yeah. long time since I went. Yeah, it's a good South point. South Africa battered them. Maybe the Lions second test to a degree, but yeah, a lot of test matches. That's a good point. Yeah, probably yeah. The Lions second test, maybe the scoreline didn't but really reflect I the battering. That was just a slow death. But that's what that's what they're good at. That's what they do. That's their philosophy of play. They're not going to change. Just, you're um, never going to. You know. You probably struggle to see South Africa completely dominate 
Japan in terms of points. You know, it's just that, like you said, it's the slow, slow death. And but it continued in terms of some hemisphere coming up. Wales then beating Australia. I don't think Another game, super close. Australia ill discipline, Australian fatigue, and another day, another game. We could be talking about how Wales have had an absolute Where shocker of an Australia because they beat South Africa twice and look like they're gonna. They be beat, but they beat South Africa twice. The World Cup and then at home when like the whole COVID things and everything was going on, South Africa off the back of a Lions tour that took it out of them, you know. They were probably they were probably still hungover. Yeah, yeah. Well, they lost all three games and they all. That is shocking. Here we are, like, you know, at the start you were talking about, everyone was talking about Australia's renaissance under Dave Rennie, coming back, you know, bringing back the old guard, you know, like keeping the old guard there, James O'Connor, Curly Bale, players like that, but... Um, They'll say, though, we got we got a red card early on, we would have won that game, we played some good rugby. That's what they would say, you know, against Scotland, you know, on another day they beat Scotland too. Um, Just shows how good rugby is at the minute, really. Again, but then again, okay, t- Scotland game weren't great. Um, but you know, at the same time, they still had enough where they probably should have, could have, should have, could have, would have won. Same against Wales. The game against England, though, is the real point of concern. Like, you know, put away if you're doing it, just forget about Wales, forget about Scotland. Focus on the fact that these were awful against England. Like they were, tr- they were atrocious against England. They were so bad. I got so angry watching it. <laughs> I honestly, like, I was like, this is so annoying. Because it, it brought the whole standard of play down. Naturally, you know, England kind of dropped to their level a bit and then it was just a scrappy, crappy game. But, like, I don't know. Like, for me, if I'm thinking Ireland in the World Cup, I'd happily face Australia at any point. Yeah, and it's annoying that Wales have them in their group. I know, it's actually really annoying because, like, I'd happily take Australia in my group. Wales have got Australia um, and Yeah, That's looking... But long time to World Cup. Long yeah, yeah, sorry. You know, we'll not, we'll not get ahead of ourselves. Boys, by 2023, like, we'll be... At this point, we'll be live from France. We um, will be live from France. <laughs> sta- outside the Stade de France. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think the chopping and changing hasn't helped Australia. No, it hasn't. Because it hasn't. They, the main thing was Quade Cooper came back. Yes. Was like the goal. And that was returned. a whole big thing. It was like and He beat South Africa of his winning kicks and he was great. And then Japan didn't. All the whole contracts with his team in Japan and he couldn't go to the arm. Krevy as well couldn't go. That's yeah. that's a ten and twelve right there. No huge players as well. And yes, I'm pretty sure it's Krevy's up for World Player of the Year now. Yeah, 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 he is. So kind of like. And Hooper was injured there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To be honest, if Hooper is playing against Wales, I think Australia win that game just because of the leadership that he brings. You know, if we want to go back to that conversation, Hooper is huge for that. I mean, he doesn't miss a game. First, really, they're probably like feeling just a loss, <laughs> you know. Um, but on the flip side, I feel it was a big win for Wales. They needed that. They needed one. If Wales, like if Wales didn't win that, Wales were staring fifth place in the Six Nations. But I, I can never say that about Wales. The last Six Nations they went into, they went in horrible form, and it's true. That is true. That is true. But based on form, they were looking at. But but I don't know. Like where do you, I don't know. I don't know where. Like for me, it's them bringing back. Here? They brought back Cuthbert and Priestland to Wales. I'm like Cuthbert and Priestland were there in 2011. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Is is that forward stepping from Wales or is that? Well, who do you, who who do you bring in if it's not Priestland and Cuthbert? Yeah, well, you've also got bigger Sheedy and Priestland's your first choice. So yeah, true, true. But what about Cuthbert? Doing these days, is he? Yeah, do. They do. He kind of had a shocker against New Zealand, didn't he? Like yeah, you do. The like a really like to be fair. Wales, New Zealand, first game of the Allman Internationals, obviously couldn't get a bunch of their players were, you know, playing fifth string tens. Yeah. You know, brought in <laughs> your boy from Ulster, Bradley. So, I mean, kind of like, they were struggling and then you get thumped by New Zealand and that just kind of set the tone for the Wales. Like, they were never recovering from that. Wales um, are always a really weird side for me because they just don't, they don't excite me and they don't really, they're just a, they're just a bit yeah. of a like, flaccid side. They're just kind of there. I never, like, even when they were dominating in the Six Nations a couple of years ago, it was never really like, oh my god, this team is incredible. It kind of just happened, and I, yeah. I don't know if that's just with my own personal affiliation that is absolutely nothing when it comes to Wales. But like, well, this is just the, don't excite me. This like, is the debate we can have now. Is okay. it more important to play good rugby like France, or I would, I would is it more say, important just to win? No, it's put, more. Put it, this way, put it this way: over the last few years, who have you hyped more, France or Wales? Oh, uh, France. And who's been more successful? Wales. There's your answer. But as a fan. But but at the same time, 
it's all about the World Cup cycle. Right now, is it not better to play the good rugby? And fair enough, you know, you pick up a loss here and there, but you're 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 consistently playing rugby and you're consistently getting better at that style you're playing. Therefore, in theory, it's all comes down to theory, isn't it? Like you should be peaking. Come World Cup. Like we'll get onto the France game. Like if you if you if you oh, watch sure, this autumn internationals, we can kind of bring it in now because it's kind of like yeah, well. yeah, I suppose. We might. <laughs> we'll just forget about talking about just, Wales. Well, I'd say last thing on that is the fact that for me it's always I'm always seeing this in in football as well as well as rugby is yeah. style of play is very important because you can play a boring style of play, but as soon as you stop winning and as soon as you're not the top 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 team or you're competing for the top, everybody is going to be on your case like a rash. Whereas if you're if you're all playing, like how many times? It's how, true though. Okay. Just, I'm putting yeah, it yeah, yeah, how, yeah, yeah. how many times? Like we'll get onto it, and I don't want to spoil it. Obviously, with the Roman Antimac situation running out of his own try area, they've been doing that for the last. They've been doing that forever. Like, that's all. That's yeah. always been the way. How many times have you seen them give away a last minute win for something stupid or just something completely unplanned, or because that's just the culture of France and that's the way they play their rugby. Ooh, but culture. ultimately, you only really chat about it for a week and then it's done and then. Yeah, they didn't get the result, and then ultimately they don't win things. But there's such an interesting and exciting side to see that yeah. the, the kind of momentum of like all the hype just sticks with them. Whereas if that's a big side playing really boring and make a stupid snake stake at the right end, right at the end, you go, nah, they're done. Nah, that's it. Well, you look at if, if you want to kind of like kind of transfer that into football. You look at Liverpool first on their club. We're playing some really exciting rugby. You know, beating Norwich like or um, oh, it's Norwich. Rugby, yeah. yeah, you're like five. five. 5-4 and things like that um, and like were unbelievable but just stupid the f- things in defence and stuff like that but over time they've kind of cut out those mistakes strengthened the defence and then are now one of the best teams in the world and obviously we're biased in that but then you look at um, but then like for me when you're talking about like the teams that play boring and then the minute they stop winning everyone's on and that's United like that is just you yeah. know United we're winning games we're finishing second in the league but we're just so Boring, and then it just kind of like it all dried up for them. It's always been the way with Jose Mourinho. That's why I don't know why we're talking about football. Yeah, 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 we've got got on a football here big time. Brilliant, Andy Farrell. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. He started playing exciting rugby, and everyone's back on the bandwagon. Yeah, yeah, I'm back on the bandwagon. I'll happily admit that I was calling for his head this time last year. That's the thing. Maybe it's not just boring. It's you need a style. Like sometimes it's a case of when they don't know what you're playing, or it's not identifiable as to what you're doing. Because we've kind of all come to the conclusion now that we're like, look, so I have to play away. We might not massively enjoy it, but we can respect it. It's almost it wins, like when, it you, when, you games. when you're in this weird middle ground when you're kind of in between stars, which is what Andy Farrell was a little bit like when he first came in. Yeah, this That's time, this time last concern, year. Think, yeah. You guys were sat there, I remember multiple podcasts, where <laughs> you kind of just, you're more concerned about it, there's no direction. Whereas I feel yes. like when you've got that clear plan and you know the way that you're going to play yes. and you're just working to improve it, it's almost more encouraging and a little bit more... Yeah. reassuring than it is just being not getting results and not really it kinda, yeah um, it kind of feels as if Wales are currently where Ireland were this time last year kind of like running around a bit headless it's kind of like what are they trying to really do he does here? this PFAC though he, he does yeah he, he does he, he, he does, does yeah on the podcast before that last autumn he, he said when he got the job right um um, I'm going to try and lose new players in the autumn and might lose all the games but you have to just back me and Wales probably said if you lose all the games we don't care yeah. And then he won the slam. Well, sorry, he didn't win the slam. He got very close to winning the slam. So don't be surprised if he does that again. Payback's a bit weird. He's yeah, it's true. It's true. It's true. I mean, some, like some like who really remembers Autumn Nations games in the long run? Like it doesn't really matter in a cycle. And we'll get onto Ireland, obviously, but the likes of some people really care about their record and winning. Like I, I've said it time and time again about France going down to Australia and playing their third choice teams. Yeah just to build depth and now what they're fifth in the world rankings if France beat Australia three times they would they'd be up a, probably around third or second yeah. but they don't care Yeah. the groups are made for 2023 they don't care about rankings yeah it's true it's true that's a good idea yeah it's fair enough and they seem like the kind of team that just have that audacity of like well look if you're going to win you've got to be the best anyway but, so who cares but in terms of world 15s this is when I then then you start to know you've got a really good team shout out to Stephen Jones as well the journalist that put Gibson Park and Sexton in his column for World Team of the Year. Yeah. Isn't it? <laughs> yeah. But, uh, <laughs> I um, yeah. No, it's, but, it's fair enough. Yeah. How many French players are getting in now? Because when you actually think about them, Dupont, best guy in the world, yes. Yeah. yeah. 
Romanantamak. I mean, he's up there, isn't he? Really up there. He really I think up if there. he didn't have that injury. Yeah, 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 true. And then Jolly Bear broke on, and yeah. then they were like, oh, let's play Jolly Bear 10, him 12, to get them both in, which I always hate. Just grow a set and pick one. Yeah. And they did it against the <laughs> yeah, All Blacks. Don't look do... what happens. Yeah, don't, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and Jolly Bear came on and even made a line break at the end, so it just shows. Finishes. So you got those two that are right in it. For me, Gal Fiku is the best centre around. Yeah, he can he do yeah, everything. He He's even got that kicking game now to his game. Damian Peno is right up there in terms of wingers and just got on the got on the end there. And now this new guy at fullback who plays kicks for them. Yeah, he's phenomenal. You've also got like Aldrit, Olivon. You've got you've got so many in that team. And like that team's only gonna get better and better. I'm pretty sure I saw a stat that there was only three French players over the age of thirty in that in that um team. I don't know if it was starting at fifteen or the match day well, squad. The England squad I think had an average age of twenty five, which for an international squad is very young. Yeah, that is uh, that is ex- that's extremely young. But France France are favourites. Twenty twenty three right now. I'll say it down the lands. France are gonna win the World Cup in twenty twenty three. It's in France, which is why I give yeah, them the Yeah, that's true, so you give them And the, the only age. thing I can see is like Razzie doing something weird in a semi and just grinding them out. Yeah, to be fair, you can totally That's see the, the ball That's the only team I can see time. beating them, someone completely different. But yeah. they go two to two. If they go two to two with the All Blacks, go two to two with Ireland, they go two to two opponents, even with England, yeah. it's going to be very, very hard to stop them. Because they played unbelievable. I assume we're just going to now talk about France yeah. New Zealand, you know. I mean, like, they played unbelievable for, you know, that only three players of the age of, of 30. They played the team, they play like a team that's been around for. For years, and I suppose they kind of they're almost kind of getting to that point where they've nearly been around for years. But um, I watched the whole game, and it was just it was unreal. It and, was and edge of the seat stuff. It was. It really seat. was. Wow. And to you be were honest, saying wow during the game. The game was probably closer than it should have been because naturally New Zealand will always have a spell in a game where they'll just go for you and they'll score a couple of quick, quick tries and you'll be like you'll blink and you'll be like what the heck has just happened? That's, That's always going to happen. But it's how you react to those moments defines you as a team and the way France reacted to then go on and pull away and guarantee the win and put over put 40 points in New Zealand when was the last time that happened I don't actually know well, it's the first time New Zealand have lost back to back in a decade since 2011 so. which is which is mad but it's a long hard season Zach yeah, that, well, New Zealand have had a really long season they've been tired they've been away from the families come on well this time. is this is according to New Zealand media well some media outlets is that is that really a fair enough because, like, okay, uh, fair enough, we say that about South Africa, we say that about Argentina, we say that about Australia, but the All Blacks are the All Blacks. Would the All Blacks even accept that excuse? You know, that's my thing. It's kind of like... they've got, like, to me as well, the All Blacks' second team is probably the second best team in the world. So, like... No, the, but go the, back the, to the what Arid... thing is, it's irrelevant. Go back to what Arid said, what All Blacks get in a World 15 ahead of some of those French players, ahead of some of the Shetland Colby's... Well, Jordan on the wing, maybe... Gets in just yeah. to try scoring. Mackenzie. Mackenzie doesn't uh, even get in the old black. Team. Yeah, Mackenzie. Yeah, that goes back right to your point in a second. Yeah, he's. Yeah, yeah. Like I genuinely, Ardi Savia is would be the only player for me. Yeah. That's a huge statement, by the way. I think. I think. I think Rico Yuani's up there. I think he's a really, yeah. really good player. But. But before you, there were six nailed on New Zealand players into yeah. a World Team of the Year. Where generally now, when you talk about World Team of the Year, you've got a couple of South Africans, you've got a couple of French. Get some parking sex. <laughs> Marcus Smith on Marcus third Smith. form. Yeah, Marcus Smith. Marcus Smith's your finisher off think, the back. We'll, we'll definitely do it if you want to see it. Christmas special coming up um, for our like world 15. Yeah. It will be interesting. It will be very interesting. I don't even know we mm. even begin. We'll have to. I think this think would probably be the most balanced Northern Hemisphere to Southern Hemisphere team we'd probably ever have. Yeah. Because usually I think it, well, it might even not be balanced, it might be completely no. swayed to the Northern Yeah, to be honest, honest Northern Hemisphere has made massive games this all yeah. game. And like, you can't use the whole thing of, um, I forgot his name, I learned his name, Jordan Kisman. Um, I think it's how you say it. I apologise if it's not to anyone listening from New Zealand. But um, the whole thing is, oh, his comment, he says, oh, well, they're going to come down to us in July and we're going to basically, you know, tank them. Kind of like... You, so, kind of like the flip side of that is always basically saying is, well, they had the home field advantage, therefore, you know, they were always going to win a couple of games and stuff like that. It's kind of like that's not what happened in the past. It's kind of like home field advantage for the Southern Hemisphere teams don't really doesn't really play a factor when they are the away team, based just based on their records of the past few years, you know. And it's just kind of like 
there's been a massive pendulum swing towards the Northern Hemisphere, just in time for a World Cup in the Northern Hemisphere. In France, and I feel France was that final nail in the coffin. I know we really all finally touched by Argentina, but that was the final nail in the coffin to say we are on top. And they and they played unbelievable. Yeah, fair enough. The All Blacks weren't great, but then again, they were still they still outplayed. They they outplayed the All Blacks. Outplay the All Blacks have been outplayed two weeks in a row. And to throw on top of that a fact that they were so poor against Italy that it almost was probably a mental loss to them. I've always said since 2017 they haven't been the no, they haven't. in the world. They haven't, they have is not, it, by the way. Is it a managerial thing? Is it a coaching thing? Well, this is this is the big argument. Is Ian, is Ian Foster not the right person for the job? Well, again, New Zealand media were saying no matter what, their philosophy is when you have a contract, you do the contract. Which yeah, is too free, you got to respect. So we, they, uh, they, no they said they're getting behind them. No disrespect to the New Zealand culture, but like sometimes I do feel like they're a little bit stuck in their ways. Like, you, you sometimes just have, kind of have to, you know, see your situation and not just, yeah, a culture is always you play your contract out. Yeah, but if you're the fourth best team in the world, as the All Blacks, surely, like, it, you know, and if, if, if their whole culture... And the Are whole, they fourth? If the whole, yeah, in my opinion. South Africa. England, England Ireland, South Africa. Ireland. Oh, France. France, fifth. Yeah. They're fifth best. Off the back of the past couple of weeks, New Zealand are I'm the fifth best team. Going in the quarterfinal. But yeah. this, and this is the Ireland. So is it is it is it just all about integrity? <laughs> is it just all about integrity? Is it just all about look? You do your contract. It's all about honour. It's all about which unless, is a huge part of New Zealand's culture. But unless, but unless they're kind of going for the like to be honest, maybe they just maybe this maybe New Zealand are yet to properly click under Foster. Maybe they're. Maybe they're doing what Ireland have done with Andy Farrell. It says the media may not see it, you know, other rugby nuts around the world may not see it, but we back you. We understand what you're trying to do. Therefore, we're going we're gonna to give you the time. And therefore, we ex- But then again, it also comes with the expectation of when it comes to the World Cup, we expect you to be, you know, semi final well, plus. Well, performance you going by then, anyway, surely. No. I don't know how yeah. contract this, but. But my thing is, if I'm if I'm a someone a Northern Hemisphere team going down to play New Zealand or Australia, well, it is Ireland. Ireland have yeah. test down there in the summer. If I'm Ar- if I'm Andy Farrell, I'm quietly confident that we can pull out a result. Maybe not all three, because to compete against New Zealand well, in New Zealand, all three. New Zealand, he he has to be. No, gone. he's gone. Like he, he'll never set foot in a rugby pitch ever again. Like he'll just go into hiding. But like, if Ireland even win one of those games, so it's a bit of a mixture. France were France played like yeah, Ireland the, the game of their life, and New Zealand were on the par. But but for France it kind of felt like this coming of age. It didn't feel like France or Ireland twenty eighteen yeah. where it was kind of like oh, you know. Or you said that France have never had that. We're here. That killer it's always like, been hype, 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 hype. But there's yeah. been no end product. There's been no but Grand Slam. There's been no Six Nations. I'd also add on to that though. They've had some incredible wins, and to me, following on to the Six Nations and everything else that comes from France now. It's important. I don't think they're coming of age yet because I do think this is still. Don't get me wrong. It's an incredible win, but like I could just as easily still see them coming fourth in Six Nations. Like I genuinely. You say that, but since then that Toulouse team with Dupont and Amtemag walked the European Cup in one of the most impressive European Cup. They went away to Monster. They were away in Claremont. I know but this is all, fans, this is all still subject to the next major kind of international tournament. But I'm just like saying, those, that group that, so. are starting to become winners. Yeah. No, that group are. are starting but to win you, big yeah. trophies. But you need to see it, which is the thing. But my I thing mean. is, you also can't really translate domestic onto an international stage. Well, Leinster you can with the, I suppose you can with yeah. Leinster <laughs> beat the All Blacks. <laughs> yeah, all right. But like, but, yeah, yeah, but like I'm saying. That's actually incredible when you think about it. Leinster beat the All Blacks. Yeah. How good Leinster then should be on paper. Yeah, okay. Do you okay. not find that weird then when you're watching club rugby and you just think, I just kind of want to support these boys now? That's just completely different when they're in the blue top. We're playing Leinster on Saturday. We're playing Leinster on Saturday. We're playing Leinster on Saturday and I'll be in here screaming. Yeah. It's weird. You only get it for Irish, but. Like, France were. France were phenomenal. For me, it comes back to the ca- it's the character of the win, the fact that New Zealand were naturally always going to come back a couple of tries, but then the level-headedness, not the mag moment of pure genius, one of the best things, one of the, probably the highlights of of the Autumn Internationals. You know, he, he knew fine rightly, he carried the ball over the line, rather than cut your losses and just touch it down or attempt to kick it away, he just thought, I'm taking you out, Aaron Smith. And, um, well, he burnt Jordy Barrett, who is no slouch. Oh, yeah, like he burnt. Scored kinda. himself as well. He had an unbelievable game. It was the best game I've seen him play. Yeah, I just kind of like it. Kind of it was one of those games. Like the stage was set, you know, packed Stade de France after yeah. a couple of 
um, after the suppose the year, a couple of years France have had, it was. And Zach, you saying are you going to join me? France favourites, twenty twenty three. It's yep. in the start of France. It's clueless. In there's, but there's multiple aspects to that. It's naturally the home advantage for a World Cup is huge when you've got the team that can challenge for it and at least get a semi. Um, the depth in French rugby is still, you know, maybe only New Zealand's second to, or their second maybe to New Zealand in terms of depth. It's just incredible. Um, but then, and, and they just, and they've also got world beaters. And the Mike's 22, by the way. Yeah. He's 23, joke, he's 23 in May. Oh, it's Jalabar. 21, 22. They're the same age. So, in some ways, they're just, in theory, be, sport's you'd funny. Be so angry if you were Jalabar, wouldn't you? Yeah, you I know. So he, no, but you thought he got in there and they, they were going to play this 10 12. Yeah. But again, like sometimes you just need to grow and, say, and pick the best player. No, totally. When it comes to that, like yeah, I think I think so too. But yeah, France France are favourites. France played phenomenal. It was a great game to watch as a neutral. And then just well. finally the cherry on top, Ireland dismantling Argentina. Aye, I mean, I hyped them up in my preview. You I did. did. I wanted to give them you a bit did. of hype, but to be fair, they've been away from their families, which I didn't even realize until I read up. Thirteen weeks they've been away. They have not yeah. played a game in Argentina. I think Argentina is the real one where you can say that fatigue and kind of like cabin fever is a real factor for them because you saw that, you expected more from the All Blacks, you expect more from South Africa and Australia, but with Argentina, I like, mean, they just, they're the the missing kicks. with Argentina, which probably relates exactly to all that fatigue, it was a mental fatigue thing as well. Their discipline was dreadful. Yeah. Like, it was awful. And you can just imagine it going out there frustrated, angry, kind of want to get home like sometimes the early shower is just the best way to do it like <laughs> or just go off 10 minutes uh, just chill out and and sent off. yeah, yeah I, mean, I mean like it was their just, last it was game dreadful. it was dreadful yeah their last their last game of the autumn internationals was last week yeah it was kind of the vibe that it's, we just it did home. like they were missing we kicks in front of the post i just want my mommy and you, well, you are, <laughs> i just want my mommy but you are just playing you're playing a team as well who's just come off the back of beating the old blacks like yeah. it's not exactly well, and that's a team playing. with minimal changes which exactly. are going out just to kind of just was that destroy. right i yep. said they were gonna be part i said they were gonna go out there and just Put a statement out yep. there and solidify what happened last week. Key, key changes as well. Joey Carberry, man of the match, fully deserved. I mean, just his kicking as well. Yeah, we don't want to take away from Ireland's you know record win against Argentina as well. Joey Carberry has cemented himself as the heir to Sexton after the past couple of weeks that he's had. As long you as he can stay fit, that man, that's his role. But this is the problem. You have two injury-prone tens and Johnny Sexton free. and Joey Carberry. Harry Byrne is yeah. the worst out of the three of them for injuries. <laughs> yeah, the guy so, like 10 years younger than Yeah, him. so I... <laughs> I don't know, maybe it'll be Billy Burns starting. <laughs> yeah. That's what nah, you don't want. You don't nah, want sorry, let's, like, you know what? Walk into the World Cup having Ross Burns starting. With yeah, him, you know, uh, that just honestly gives me PTSD. But then again, maybe it was a bit harsh on power last time because he had Ross Burns and Billy and even the Six Nations. <laughs> yeah. So he didn't have a full pack to play from. Yeah, no, like Ireland are, Ireland are going from strength to strength. The momentum will not continue into the Six Nations. You expect Leinster and Munster to have decent European outings and maybe Ulster. Oh, we've got but, Milan coming, don't worry. Yeah, I know, but honestly, who knows at this rate with Ulster. But, um, but yeah, so I mean, kind of like, it's good. Farrell is, is kind of almost, it's coming of age for Farrell and his Ireland team, you know. They don't have they have a style, free-flowing rugby. Yeah, Balakun, we were shining him. Yeah, Balakun. Slotted in there in the wing. He was he, very solid. Looked, looked, he was solid. And energy. To, you know, the argument against that is the fact he was playing a really poor Argentina team. He didn't have to do much. But at the same time, he took his chance, I think. And Dan um, Sheehan off the bench, I thought, I've, you've got Kelleher, who's playing the best rugby out in those wider channels I've ever yep. seen. And then you've got Dan Sheehan, two 23-year-old hookers who both look unbelievable. And we couldn't find a hooker when Rory Best was an heir to Rory Best. And, yep. and now you've got two. It's like buses. I know. waiting for one, two come along at once. And they're just going to find <laughs> out for the next decade for that. Which is a bit like England with George and Kyle Dickey. When you have yeah. two people battling Yeah, away, it's true. Because she and when he came on was unbelievable. But Mays chasing them, honestly. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, he is, he is. We haven't even really talked about him, but um, no, he, de he definitely is. Uh, I could bang on about England all day, but we're not really past that point. <laughs> I, I like it. What much more do you want to say? Solid Ireland I just, win. I just want to give Josh van der Fleer a shout out. He doesn't get enough respect. Yeah, it's true, that's true. He's really true. like Josh van der Fleer as well. Yeah, he's really good. But he's not flashy. He's not going to make a bust 100 yeah, metres like true. a Ryan Baird. Yeah. Back row is I'm strong. glad as well, big Kaylin's coming through. Like, 
That yeah, one, I, I've always had. You've no always, you've actually, to be fair, you've always shouted him out. No, the but and what, what I find really interesting, Peter Manny opened up and said, I think it was BBC Sport, yes, and I. Yes, I was going to bring this up. Yeah, he said the best month of rugby in his professional career. Is that the right quote? Yeah, is that what he said. Yeah, Jeez. best month of rugby, and like that man's had some pretty big months. <laughs> and he was on the bench for the All Black game. Yeah, yeah. I think it's because he knows he can just come on, do his bit, but like he's got. Like I genuinely think the partnership, and I know it's not really a partnership, there's a third one in there as well, but I think Doris and Conan are honestly going to be your keys to success. Yeah. I think those yeah. two together are just incredible players. They're so well-rounded. Their ball-carrying ability is incredible. And then if you just slot in that seven there as well, oh. Yeah, but I think as well, like, You're on to winner. there's almost like each player knows his role and then perfects that role. Kind of, that's what kind of the vibe, like, you'll see that more with Ireland. Pure Manny, for example, kind of like you are the finisher. And therefore perfects his role and does the role to the best. You of his come ability. on and get the match winning turnover. Yeah. Yes, please. Thank you very much. Like, there you know. go. There's a bit of chop and change, but it's almost like there's no surprises. Like, Pierre Armani, like you said, knows his role now. Joey yeah. Carberry knows his role now. Yeah. Like there's kind of it's not like oh my god I'm playing this weekend. What's going on? Like, the man right. can go in there, do eighty minutes, and he's perfectly fine. But then he's also an incredible ten to bring on as an impact. And you've got that all across the field now. Yeah, which, to be honest, like <clears throat> sitting here at the start of the autumn internationals, but I really we have thought we'd be having this conversation. But they've turned it on. Sports funny. Things change in a matter of weeks, and all sport of a sudden, sports funny yeah. is a good line to finish on. Yeah, yeah sport is funny. Yeah, you know, the whole the whole conversation the right now has changed. Opinions, your opinion's not false. Like you literally haven't really stepped the foot wrong the entire nation, like autumn international. Yeah, so yeah. You have every right to feel that way. To be honest, like I said at the start when we started our, when I first came on, I missed the first week for the autumn internationals. But I said I was kind of disillusioned with Ireland. I was like, yeah, I beat Japan, but like. You know, can you really do it against the All Blacks in Argentina? And now, like, I've, I've, I'm seeing it and I'm convinced. You know, I, I believe in Farrell. I believe in his philosophy. And if you were to say um, to Irish fans last autumn that within a year you're going to beat England and the All Blacks convincingly, you beat you, you. You you would say no because uh, this time last year I was genuinely one of those per- people who was properly questioning whether or not Farrell was the right choice. But, but but to be fair to the RFU, they trusted the process. It's all about trust the process, you know. And he had a game plan, and it's finally kind of come to light. And yeah. hopefully, New Zealand then learn from that, and we'll see if they come through. But for me, world rugby at the minute is the most competitive it's ever been. And yep. if these internationals kept going, everyone would keep beating each other week in week out, yeah. which is what we want. But the enormous hemisphere is on top, boys. And true. roll on the Six Nations and gonna be a cracker there is some big teams in there there's i had the i, I got the odds the up I, had, years, I, looked, I looked the odds up and ireland england and france were all very close and scotland weren't too far off so interestingly wheels are a bit lower in the rankings so they just don't get any respect <laughs> They're a Joe Merchant. Yeah, yeah, but then again, wheels, but wheels will turn up and go them in the Grand Slam I mean. or something, yeah. you know. They'll They're beat France in like France. That, loving it. That's what he wants. They'll beat France in France and then all of a sudden it's like, yeah. But <laughs> comment below, comment below your predictions for the Six Nations and let us know your player of the Autumn Nation series. Give us a follow on Twitter at RugbyTill, Instagram, Top of the Podcast, and on Spotify and the Top of the Podcast. And we'll catch you next week. I'm Zach. We're back with some big guests, which we'll keep on the DL. Yeah. But I'd chill in. That's all I'm going to say. Cheers, boys. Cheers. Cheers.